um, and then when I was going through the human trafficking, I had guns put in my mouth. Uh, I had, um, <laughs> I watched bodies being put in barrels in acid. So yes, tr trauma was there. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you. How so, are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. What is your sober date? Um, I don't exactly know my sober date. <laughs> uh, I, I well, let's see. I, I went to, I was in jail. Actually, okay. Um, when I, uh, when I decided. You know, because I've been in jail many, many times. Um, uh, it was around 2017. Maybe two, no, 219. Okay. And what were you in jail for this time? Um, drunk driving. So is alcohol your drug of choice? Uh, no. Everything was my drug of choice. That That's true. No, I believe it because I'm, I, if I laugh, it's because I'm relating to you yes. because I understand, you know, I always say it in meetings, especially that I was addicted to more. Right. It didn't matter what it was. I just wanted more of that that takes away that void that my grief and loss was my thing. Oh, yeah. And that's why I would be drinking or using. Um, so let's rewind. Do you have any siblings? I have an identical twin sister. Okay. Yes. And yeah. did she fall into addiction as well? I'm Absolutely. Always... Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, how was growing up for you? Horrible. <laughs> was uh, it in South Carolina? South Carolina. Okay. Yes, I can... The accent is strong. I lived in North Carolina for a year. Yes. So I can always pick up on those kind of accents. Now... You said horrible. Did you, like, how did you grow up? One parent, both parents? I, I grew up with both parents. Um, uh, but it was a very traumatic childhood. Um, Can you elaborate on what was traumatic? Um, if you can't, that's fine. It, I'm just curious. Okay. Um, my sister and I grew up very much with a mommy dearest. That's the best way I can say it. What does um, that mean? Um, my mother, um, I'm not going to use any names, you know, with things because of their privacy. Um, cause, cause we're still healing. Yeah. A lot of us are healing. Yeah. And, um, I believe, I believe in generational curses. Um, for me, um, this things was generational, you know, and it got worse and worse. And um, I believe with my sister and, and I, I it, it it definitely was a generational curse. Um, the best way I can say is we ran. My sister and I were running. Um, my, my, we had a really good father, um, but my mother was abusive to him also. Um, he did not protect us. He did not protect us as kids. Um, were you verbally abused or physically abused by your mom? Both, both, both. 
like I'm, hitting like hitting you i'm talking about burning uh putting us in hot showers um that we could not get out of uh, we were laid in the beds uh, or i was um just with cold sheets it, and, the, and the sheets felt like ice because you know those kinds no, of things happen you said generational does that mean they also happened to your mom I I have no idea. Um, my mom does not talk about stuff like that. That I I do not know. I don't know really what happened to my mom. Um, is she, she still in your life? Yes, she okay. is. Um, <clears throat> I made a choice in recovery that I had to forgive my mom um, be- because the unforgiveness. It was killing me. Eating you alive. It was like a cancer. It kept growing and growing. The bitterness, the anger. Uh, um, I had to forgive my mom for myself. Yeah. People were like, how can you forgive your parents? Now, did you go through any programming? Like, I I was big in NA and AA. So, going through the steps. I I went to Celebrate Recovery, which is all over the nation. Yep. Um, you know, I, I struggle, which one, which one worked best for you? Um, Celebrate Recovery was the first part of it. Um, I, I had relapse after relapse after relapse and and there's no shame in relapse. Um, they're all just important lessons to learn. Right. That there, uh, there was no shame in that. For for me, um, I had to go to a human trafficking program in Alabama. Were you trafficked? Um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. For ten uh, years. When did that start? What age? Uh, in my twenties, in my late twenties. Now, can you elaborate for people what? Because there's a whole spectrum. You know what I mean of like being trafficked. Um, well, my- was mine was uh, a man that I was with um, um, a man that I was with he was actually a, a boyfriend and um, um, anyways you know he used manipulation and control um, and, and it became a part of my life does that mean like he would take you to other guys to sell your like sell your body absolutely. and like absolutely friends absolutely um it was very painful um it was very traumatic i'm sure it didn't I... help the drinking at all no or or the drugging i, yeah. I, I had more and more drugs um because i could not face with my reality I absolutely could not face it. So was that DUI because of drugs or DUI from drinking? Both. <clears throat> okay, both. so they got you on both. And, <laughs> yeah, it did. And, and you said that was or was not your first DUI? That was my first. No, well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was not my first DUI. I had one, but I fought it, and I won in the state of North Carolina. But I was high. Yeah. That's the bad thing about it. Um, 
you know, I, I was, I was absolutely high. Um, but I, I was on prescription medications. Gotcha. Um, Me too. You know, it does it doesn't make it any better. No, but I was prescribed I, Oxy and Xanax. Oh yes. Um, I I was on oxycodone. So uh, the the blue ones. <laughs> no, I was on totem poles. Okay. And, and, and oxycodone. Um, but for I'm talking about for like seven years. I was on all that. I'm talking about high doses. Um, um, probably I was taking like probably like 60 milligrams, and it, and then I was also on morphine. Gotcha. On top of it, and and I was on morphine, um, like sometimes, 60 milligrams the time released. Sometimes the doctors think they're helping him, but really they're keeping us sick. Like I was on a hundred, like I was prescribed 120 milligrams a day, but I was doing like 300 milligrams a day yes. of the oxycodone because I was getting a script of 30 milligrams, the little blue ones, yeah. and I I was a snorter. Mm-hmm. That was my thing was snorting pills or snoring coke. I would do a lot of candy flipping and take a bunch of pills and then do a bunch of coke. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but it's definitely part of my story, nonetheless. Right. Um, right. H- how were your teenage years? Uh, teenage when did, years. When did you discover drugs and alcohol as a way to cope? Um, I wasn't real bad into addiction in in my teenage years. Okay, um, so like I had my first drunk at in sixth grade. So I wasn't um, sure how, well, when was it, like, that's when I started going overboard and became an alcoholic. Right. Well, for me, uh, it really started in my tw- 20s. Oh, so but, you were a late bloomer. Yes, I was a late bloomer. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, uh, I had an affair on my husband. I had two children. Um, I had an affair on my husband. And, um... Was the affair had anything to do with drinking or using? Absolutely. Absolutely. Was the new guy that you were seeing uh, somebody that was enabling? Absolutely. So Absolutely. was. Yes. Did you leave your husband for the guy that trafficked you? Sure did. Yep. Look at that. I'm just doing so the there was, Yep. And uh, you know the thing about it is, you know, after that, that 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 was my destruction, my absolute destruction. Because um, I felt so guilty, you know, uh, about. Were you seeing your kids during this time? Very rarely. Because. um, I mean, you're being trafficked. That that started a little later. Okay. Um, I just stayed high all the time. I was high all the time. And I mean, when I say all the time, I'm talking about all the time. Yeah, I, wake I was, up until bedtime. Right. <laughs> it, it, I mean, but I was up for days. I'm talking about sometimes weeks. Was it, the I, me- was it meth or coke? Meth. Absolutely. Um, and I have a sponsor that went 32 I, days I, a week. Yeah, I didn't know if I was coming or going. Yeah. Um, and when I would get around my family, 
they knew I was higher than a kite. I didn't know I was higher than a kite, but they did. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I had, I had no recollection of really anything, to be honest. And, and when I did pick up my kids, I was high, you know, um, but I did not realize this is my niece behind me. <laughs> um, but I, I did not realize that the, the destruction that I was caught, that I was causing, you, you know, my children, my family. Um, and then it became a point where my family would not speak to me. And are you on better are you on better terms with your mom and dad now? Uh I have not seen my dad in three years. My okay. my dad when I when I came back from the human trafficking program, my dad left my mom. He was with and even after, though she was that abusive, he was with her for that long? For forty something years, forty eight oh, years. Shit. It, yes. And let me tell you, this stuff goes deep in in, in my soul. Yeah, generational uh, trauma is just now becoming something talked about. Like, there's been generational trauma for years, but mm -hmm. this is like, I'm learning through talking to people. Like I said, this is my 123rd episode, so you hear some things. Right, um, right. So generational trauma is extremely real, and it's all about breaking the chain of, is this way you don't pass it along to your kids? See, you know, uh, you know, my sister, my, I can't say anything about my sister's story because it's different than mine, a, a little different. <laughs> um, my sister wound up having five kids. Is one of them behind you? <laughs> yes, she sure is. Uh, yeah. And some of these things have been passed on to her kids. And, um, um, you know, it's hard to, to to see the damage that I have done to like my own children. Um, I don't even speak to one of my daughters, but it's not by my choice. Yeah, this is this is something that she's having to deal with, and um, you know, I have to respect her her, her boundaries. You know, yeah. um, you know, I used to not respect any kind of boundary. <laughs> there was no, no there was no boundary yeah there was no boundaries you know um i had to learn by healing yep, yep. and um let me tell you i stayed high for like 20 something years 30 something years so was there yep. anything traumatic that really because like i started drinking at 11 but i didn't become an alcoholic until i was 13 so like, and when I say I was an alcoholic when I was 13, I wasn't drinking every day because what you're not an alcoholic because you can drink a lot. You're an alcoholic right. because you drink to forget. And right. you, so there's the difference. And when I was 13, I was being bullied. And that's when like the shit was hitting the fan for a lot of different personal things. Um, and that's when, like I said to my buddy, you know, if we drink, we're going to feel better. So that right there is the alcoholism talking. And mm -hmm. by the time I was a senior in high school, we drank every day. Um, but my inciting incident that started me off as an alcoholic was 
grief and loss that lost a friend who was hit by a car. And then on top of that, my best friend's father was diagnosed with leukemia both in the same week. And I specifically remember saying to my friend whose dad just was diagnosed with leukemia, I said, if we drink, we're going to feel better, man. And so right then and there is how I became an alcoholic. Um, So was there any inciting incident for you that you can remember the switch turn on to being like, I'm going to drink or I'm going to use? Well, for me, um, um, my, I I was raped at 15. Okay. Um, By, By a friend or by family? Um, it was a friend. Um, but it was a, it was a violent break. And, um, I mean, I, I can remember blood being all over the room. And, um, you know, I remember being on the porch with my best friend and I just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, you know, I just couldn't believe it. Were you drunk or high? Yep, I was at a party. Um, but see, I couldn't tell anybody. My my best friend knew. Uh, my twin sister found out. Um, uh, but I really couldn't tell anybody because I was at a party I wasn't supposed to be at. And um, and at this time, I I, I moved. I had moved in with my aunt and uncle. My dad also has an identical twin brother, and oh, we had moved yeah. in. <laughs> yes, I'm telling you. Um, um, and then when I was going through the human trafficking, I had guns put in my mouth. Uh, I had um, <laughs> I watched bodies being put in barrels in acid. So yes, tr- trauma was there. <laughs> It was, it was uh, Trump, yes. Um, and then when the trafficking took place, I was taken state to state. So that's this where the, nice. yeah, that's where the, for people that don't know, when you're, when you're driven from state lines, shit, if you're driven from point A to point B and the intention was usually related to sex, that's human trafficking right there. Absolutely. Usually the person providing the ride will take most of the money that you made doing the act. Most. All of it. But I have never had money. But they fed you with drugs, though, to keep you, like, high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and you were given, like, small small portions. Yeah, like a, like a, like a fucking um, allowance that you get as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, you're not. I I, I, I had people on from Ohio that were trafficked all over. I never had phones. Uh, I was not able to contact my family, and, but also I was told, you know, that my children would be killed. So, um, you know, I, I did not want, want my children killed. How did you meet this guy? <laughs> um, through a friend. Through a friend. Like, and, did his friend say, oh, if you hook up with this guy, he'll make sure you stay high, or? No, it started out as a boyfriend-girlfriend girl, thing, and I, I did not know that this was going to be a part of, of our relationship, you know? Did you guys start using together? 
Yes. Yes. And you got, then you ran out of money. And then um, and then he said, I have an idea. If I take you yep. to this person, we can yep. make some money. Yes. And then it started over the state lines. Was that and then Craigslist? Started, Were they but, finding people on Craigslist or some shit? Um, Sorry if I cursed a lot. Back, I can't back, help it. Back then, it was phone lines. It was this. This did not have the setup that it has now. Yeah. Um. So it started on phone lines. Um. And also, um. You know, uh. I I look at, at all the motels in Greenville. <laughs> I, you know, I, I live in the Greenville County area, and um, of South Carolina, and um. Uh, it just amazes me. Um, a lot of these motels are still here, and uh, you know, and, and and they trigger me. When I ride by them, they trigger me. Now, when was the last time that you can recall being trafficked? Like ten years ago, five years ago, fifteen oh, years no. ago? No, no. I got into a. a my tra- trafficker took me. In, to Yakinville, North Carolina. <laughs> this is a small town, small town in North Carolina. And um, uh, he actually um, was convicted of harming me. And, okay, um, so that's that was my next follow-up was, did he ever, like, serve any, was there any repercussions to him? He, 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 um, he was facing 60 years Good. because he was on top of me trying to strangle me and, hey. and uh the yakinville police department um they uh kicked the door down in, in a motel and um and you, you know they got is, him is he still in jail today no he's on the run currently i, I know where he's at oh you, but, oh you. Um, so he was that. facing 60 years and then he you know went he into started, hiding no 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 he um no he, he he went to prison oh okay and he, he went to prison and um he went to prison but he on, on only served like seven years five years i don't know five seven years something like that of his then sentence. he got then he got out for good behavior I guess, I guess, I'm not really sure, but he was charged with um, sex crimes, and... The punishment uh, is not high enough for these people. Right, absolutely, because the mental damage that it does to you, to you as, as, a, as a female, um, because I had to fight for my life, I had to, I had to survive. That's, that's my 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 life for many many years was just survival. It was all I knew, and um, you know, uh, and women on the streets they learn to hate each other because the, they're at such conflicts and you know, competition. And, absolutely, and and you know, uh, women are taught to to 
to, to be against each other. N not to to be like I don't know. They're taught to fight, and um, it's sad because in recover in recovery, you're taught to to be there for each other. Yep. You know, you're taught you talk different. Yeah. I, then, yep. I've I've had somebody on my show that accidentally was trafficking. Um, what happened was her and her good friend were both on the streets and they would give each other rides to meet with the Johns. And usually while one person was like doing their work, the other one of them was going to get the drugs with the money they made. And they both had to serve time in Canada for human trafficking because they were driving each other back and forth. And it's crazy because Canada is legal to be a prostitute. Um, it like it's not that no nobody's ever arrested for that. Um, the loophole to that is you can arrest them for trafficking if they're driving people to meet up with somebody. That's the loophole that they use in Canada. Is like you gave this person a ride, so this is human trafficking. So it's so weird because like I've interviewed people all over the world. So everywhere has different rules. And South Carolina, now um what are you doing today for your sobriety? Is it to celebrate recovery? Is it AA or NA? Are you doing it yourself? White knuckle on it? Um, no. Uh, is it the church? A, there's an organization called Switch in upstate. Um, they've been a part of my life for three years. Okay. They, 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 act, they actually came into the jail. I don't know how they ever did this. I, I believe it was a, um, I believe it was a, uh, Spartanburg County, um, jailer who, uh, reached out for me. Yeah, and um, it, and they realized how much pain I was in, you know, and they they reached out to somebody, and um, with Switch. Okay. Switch, uh, Switch is a, 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 a an organization, in, in in the Upstate, that that fights human trafficking. Well, they at least they're yeah. At least there's programs like that locally that, you know, we're doing those kinds of things um, because there are not many of them. Like, you know, it really, it, it really, um, <laughs> it's a billion, I mean, billions and billions of dollars and, and, and they're using babies. I mean, th this is a real problem. I mean, this is a real problem in our nation. Yeah, I've, I've been trying to shed lights on it as much as I could because I've had people on the show, like I said, that were trafficking each other. Um, I've actually had two people on the show that were trafficked by the same guy and they hadn't seen each other since like getting help and getting out of that situation. Um, I interviewed both of them together about 
you know, why it was happening, what was happening, when it was happening, how it was happening. Um, so I've definitely, I don't want to say I've grown numb to it, but I can listen to these stories without going, oh my God, I got to get high now. In right. fact, it's the total opposite where I'm grateful for recovery that I can actually help people like you get your story out there. Um, and so you left because your parents, you said you didn't really, you didn't get high until your 20s. Now, right. now your first marriage, when did you meet him? 15. Was it school together? Or was he? Yeah, an uh, old, no, was I met him after. Year? I met him after. Um, well, uh, um, he had already graduated high school. That's what but I mean. I, was he an older guy when you met him? Yeah, I mean, like, not, not that older. I mean, he's like maybe five years older. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes uh, more sense. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then, and then I tr tried to live a normal life, you know, uh, but I did not realize how much, you know, the rape in my being with my mother, the psychological damage. Um, I did not realize how much it had affected my sister and I, um, but see, my sister didn't, um, it, it didn't happen to my sister till later. You now, know? were you with your husband, with your first husband when you were 17 and raped? I was, I was 15. You were 15. I was 15 when I was raped. Yes. Okay. And, and, uh, yeah. But it, I, I, I got my husband after. Now, did that, did that person face any kind of criminal, um, or no, no, because you couldn't really report it, or you, you, you weren't comfortable reporting it, because this was probably in the 90s when that happened? Uh, yeah, uh, so, see, no, my son was born in 92, no, it was in the 80s. So, even less reporting was happening in the 80s. Absolutely. I, I would say reporting has only become common in the last five years. Absolutely. And see, things like that, you got to realize when I was growing up, that was like in the 80s. Child abuse was not talked about. No. You could know, hit your kid and get away with it in the 80s. Right. This, my mom was charged three times with, with child abuse. And she so, still kept being able to be a mom absolutely um we, we were kept in the home um we we were uh greenville county knew all about it and the worst thing about it was my mother was a school teacher yes sir Jeez. 40 years greenville county yes sir that, that's wild that she had to care for students but yet she couldn't even was it just you and your sister or any other siblings no, just me and my sister. How close and were we, you two? We were told we were to told constantly that we were hated by our mother. Um, you know, I can remember her looking at me straight in the face in the bathroom, and she she would look at me. This is how it was, like daily. She would say, "Like I hate you," and grab the back of my head and throw it into the sink. 
I had busted lips. Um, I had had glass, glass taken out of my shoulder. I mean, you know, she threw a glass at me and I had glass all in my shoulder. She wouldn't take me to a hospital. My sister tried to commit suicide at 11 years old. I was there at home by myself. Um, yeah, like you two can watch each other at 11. <laughs> when did she start leaving you guys alone? How old were you? Um, Nine, ten. Uh, we were left alone all the time. Yeah. But, you know, we just, uh, you know. I don't want to be. We survived. Yeah, I don't want, like, suicide hits close to me. I had my first fiance kill herself seven years ago. So I understand how much it can take out. But I've also seen a lot of people with attempts. Um, I did it myself three or four times. more than that. More when than you that. when you were that age or when you were like doing drugs later on? Later on. Later on. Yep. Were you a cutter? Uh at, at times. I mean, um People cut my, people cut for attention. That's I, I mean I, I burned I burned up my own home. And this was after she was putting out cigarettes on you guys? Um, Girls, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But it was Darren and after. Yes. We, we, uh, yeah. It, it, it was, and that's what I'm saying. This trauma carried on throughout my life. How's your sister now? <laughs> my sister, uh, was almost killed in a car accident about six months ago. Um, my sister, I, I, I can't speak, speak much about her story, um, but because that's her story. But she, um, or you know, I'm I'm taught that. I was taught that. Um, I went to a like I told you in Alabama, a, a human trafficking broke program and um you know we all have a we all have a story we all all have a story and um you know I I went to a Christian program and that's where I found I'm just gonna say that's where I found God that's where you know um that's that's where I, I started my healing, my true healing, and um, um, I thank I thank God I thank God for that. Are you I married did, today? Are you married today? I am. <laughs> how long to, How long have you known him? Oh, I only knew him uh, less than twenty something days. When he got married. Yep. That's funny. I mean, I, I proposed my wife within the first 30 days. So <laughs> I, I, I get it. She she was going through a divorce and we were already engaged within a month of dating. 
It was funny. You know how in AA there's that rule where you shouldn't date people for your first year? Um, Her and I met 11 months into my recovery. So I kept telling her, I love you, but I can't, we can't do anything, no relationships. And so, and then I came back, I celebrated, I celebrated my one year clean in LA because that's where I got sober was Los Angeles. So I flew out there for my one year. And when I came back, I proposed because I was a year, I was a year sober then. So I was like, all right, time to propose. So, you know, I get, I get the fast ones. I understand how, how old were you when you met him and within 20 days? Were you already, was it? About three years ago. So he's never seen you drunk. Um, oh, he, he's seen me drunk. Yes. Oh, okay. because uh, I don't, I'm not gonna say drunk, but um, but like he was when, after the started, using. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that uh, we act, we actually um, because mm, I told you I'd relapsed. Yeah. Times. Oh, okay. And, uh, I relapsed, you know, uh, because. I was so nervous. I was so nervous about start starting a a relationship. I mean, it, it struck fear in me. Yeah. And um, uh, I'm not I'm not gonna say much about the relationship, but um, you know, yeah, I'm married. <laughs> That's all that matters, and. No, you go. You still go to church, and that's like part of your recovery. Absolutely. Um, God is a big part of my life. If I if I don't wake up in the morning, you know, and pray and and you know have uh, set intentions. Excuse me. Like set intent, like setting intentions for your yeah, day. Yeah, intentions. I, I I have to do. I have to. Um, for me, with my sobriety, I this is my belief. God brought me out of that jail cell. There, there are so many things that um that happened through my life. Um. Well, I know he saved me. I know he did. When was the first time you were arrested? <laughs> I can't tell you all the times I got arrested. I was high every single one of them. Were they and all for were they all for paraphernalia? Were they all for drugs? Were they all for DUIs? All of, all of it. I, I, I'm telling you, my rest was so. How many, um, how many DUIs do you have? Well, I had two. But I fought one of them. And you and you got arrested for um was did you ever get arrested for prostitution? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm not proud of that by any means. No, no. I'm just I'm just getting this getting the whole thing. Yeah. But what I'm saying is is back then back then you were charged with prostitution. It, it it's very different now. Luckily, yeah, the cops are getting on top of the people. Like, I think cops are starting to realize, like, oh, she's not the one doing this. 
it's the people that are other people. I think there's been enough there's stories. A, there's usually somebody over it. Yeah, you just because you're prostitute, you're a prostitute doesn't mean you're doing it on your own. You're usually doing it because you're being forced against your will and being told we're going to kill you unless you go out in the streets. Absolutely, absolutely. There was so so much fear, and you got to remember. This took place down south, and, uh, you know, uh, things are looked at very, very differently down in the south. Oh, yeah, I lived, in, I lived in Durham for a year. Yes, and that's not, it, it, yes, in the deep south, it, it's looked at very, very, very differently. Um, a lot of people uh, still in Greenville County. Um, Are they into like victim blaming? Where what what did you do? Absolutely, absolutely. But, but they they don't realize the trauma that that comes along with it. They don't realize that our children we're be, we're being told our children are going to be killed. Yeah. You know. Um, How many children do you have? I have two, uh, and, and my son. I'm very proud of him. He's uh. He actually lives in Alabama now. Uh, <laughs> he look, his mom went got sent to Alabama. I was like, man, I don't know anything about Alabama. <laughs> and then my son married somebody from Alabama, <laughs> and and then moves to Alabama. Yeah. And then I come back to Groove County. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just kind of funny. And. His wife, well, she, she. Oh, I, I know how messed up your county is. I had a woman on my, um, I met a woman in real life that was from Greenwood County and. Greenville County. Greenwood, Wood, it's, it's, it's close to Greenville. Oh, okay. <clears throat> it's one of the greens. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband accidentally discharged his gun and killed her daughter, and he was serving no jail time whatsoever, and mm-hmm. she was convinced that that bullet was meant for her, and it wasn't accidental, and nobody will investigate it because mm-hmm. they are just like saying, no, oh, it was an accident, and he ha- he's part of the church, so right. if you're if you're part of the church and you're friends with the pastor you have like carte blanche to get in trouble because the pastor will then take your side and go to the authorities and say, oh, blah, blah, blah is a good guy because he's part of our church and he's great for the clergy and whatever. Yeah. I, you know, um, yeah, I mean, uh, um, you, you know. So how do you feel today? How do you feel today, Kelly? Five years feel- away from it. How do you feel today about everything? Um, I'm healing. Are you, are you grateful yeah. for your experiences because they taught you lessons? Yes. Or? Yes. Because had I had I not been through what I went through, um, you know, because along with this, the, the generational curses that I'm talking about, um, came anxiety, depression, se- severe depression. I'm talking yeah. about where I couldn't even pick, pick myself up out of the bed. So, so you know, my sister, my sister, 
my sister and I, we, um, we self-medicated for a long time, long time. And, um, you know, uh, my, my sister was nearly cut in half six months ago. Because my, of the accident? Yes. Was it a car and accident? It sure was. And um, it devastated me. Who was at fault for the accident? In, it sent me into another relapse. Gotcha. And I'm blaming my sister for that. Um, you know, it, it was very difficult for me. I, I hit the floor. And it, it, I let out a scream. Let me say this. I let out a scream. This, this is really all I remember. Because uh, when, when I found out that my sister uh, was dying, uh, I, let out, I remember letting out a scream. It was, it was like ear piercing. I, you know, I, it was like a sc scream that was so gut-wrenching. And I remember hitting the floor. And it, and it was so painful for me. Um, when I hit the floor, the floor, It was just so unreal to be an identical twin and that pain, well, I, I can't even, I, I can't even just describe how painful that was uh, because I wanted to die. I wanted to die, to die, to die. I was like, I can't live without my twin sister. It, it, you have to be a twin to understand this and, mm -hmm. and to be go through the tra tra the traumas we went through. And um, and when I got to that hospital and I saw my sister, and uh, she was still opened up, because the seatbelt literally cut her in half. I believe it. That's why I don't wear a seatbelt is yeah, because, well, yeah, I mean, I'm a big guy anyway. So, like, technically, I don't have to wear a seatbelt. I've never gotten pulled over. <clears throat> well, I should say never. I mean, I always get <laughs> I always get pulled over and never has the cop said, like, where's your seatbelt at? I've never gotten a seat. I think they know the seatbelt is going to cause me more harm than good because it can take off my head if it was in the wrong you know, kind of accident. It was, it was, uh, it, it was below, below her stomach. And I mean, yeah, you know, the, the way she wore it. And I, I believe the, uh, uh the top was behind, behind her. Mm. And so she just had the, the belt. And when, uh, the, the accident happened, um, she was literally almost cut in half. Can I ask who was at fault of the accident, if it was her or if it was somebody else? It was my sister. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, so she is, she's still dealing with her trauma of, of the accident, the accident. Um, so, you, you know, our stories, they continue to go on as, yeah. 
as we go through 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 life you know and uh that storm you know uh, um of her, of her life uh, you know i remember hitting my knees and I, and I was like god i can't take this i cannot take any more pain in my life you know god you did you know why why am i going through this pain you know why 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 am i suffering this life like this and i remember screaming it out why why am I going through this life? And, um, you know, I just know that my story, my, my story, it, it hasn't ended. Oh. It has not ended this story. And he did save my sister, my sister's life. And, um, you know, she should have never survived that accident. Never survived. So I, I'm grateful. You know, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a tough life in this world today. Oh, yeah. It's tougher than it was in the 80s. Way tougher. And um, social media, you know, people can't like hide anymore. Like they used to be able to hide. Like I've heard of like, People growing up where the dad left, and then you find out that the dad lives around the corner with somebody new, but you didn't know that for 18 years because... My dad lives in Spartanburg, right up the road from me. Yeah. I know where he's at, but, you know, he's what's, been what's gone out of our lives for three years. Yeah. After 48 years. So why is there anything, if I can ask, specific that he is not in contact with you or are you not in contact with him which one is it no uh, um he he remarried <laughs> the i guess a woman he was having the, uh, the affair with mm-hmm. he remarried and um he he's in an even more you know uh violent okay type of situation so he, he's not free to 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 um i don't think he's free to contact us um you know well you're you're starting to break the generational curse that's the most important thing i think one of the hardest things is is admitting that there's a generational curse in your family um i i don't have to live that way but i can be sympathetic towards ones that do because i've heard all the stories and everybody has their unique story and that's why i have this show it's important for me to put out stories like yours or help you tell the story because sometimes it can be so hard to try to tell that story so i always will i don't mean to pry it's i'm trying to just help you it's okay um you know uh your story is your story yes you know your story maybe and your sister's story is your sister's story. Everyone, when even when you're twins, you both have unique experiences where you're going to have different outlooks on things sometimes because you both were had generational trauma. 
you know, and it's a shame. But at the same time, I'm glad that you have each other as opposed to like only one of you dealing with, you know, the abuse as opposed to both of you. At least you can both. Say to each other, I know what you're like, I know what you're feeling, I know, I know how you you're yeah. feeling. Right. Um my hope is that that even if one person hears my story and says, Hey, you know, I I can feel what she's feeling. Uh, um you, you know, I believe this is my belief. Um God puts it, God puts us in, in this season, you know, and, um, um, he gives us a story sometimes, and, um, you know, you know, um, I hope to one day work with women who have been human trafficked. Or, or or had some type of abuse, like my sister and I did, and um, they can say, hey, I, I, I experienced the same thing, even if it's just a little bit different, and say, hey, um, I can well, I can survive this, and it's n- it's never too early to start talking because some of the pain that you're feeling can be lifted as soon as you start helping others. As soon as you start doing some like outreach where you're talking to other women like yourself, that's when the healing gets even more in depth because you're going to see yourself more in these people and you're going to want, like I can see myself in anybody. Even though I wasn't abused as a child, I have great family life. I grew up a happy kid, going to sports and whatever, going on vacations with my family. However, my story involves grief and loss. So I can connect with people, especially if they've had a lot of problems with losing people in their lives and not knowing how to deal with it. And I've been able to get myself through a lot of things um, just by talking to people like myself. My, my, my story goes much deeper. Uh, it, it goes, it, it's, it's a lot more traumatic, but I, I, I just wanted to, to, to touch the surface. Yeah. You know, and, and that, right. And, um, and I appreciate you divulging what you felt comfortable divulging. Right. And, 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 you know, there's just, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, but th- th- there is, there is sobriety, you know, you, you, you can get it. You just ha- have to, um, you really have to want it and, uh, not need it. It's important to distinguish needs and wants. We need water. We need food. We need shelter. Those are all needs, but you have to, you can't, if you say to me, you need to be sober, it's a bad sign because you're doing it for somebody else. And as soon as you, like, say you're doing it for your wife. And as soon as your wife leaves you, you have nothing to do, nobody to be sober for because the person 
you were hanging your hat on for your sobriety just left. So what's left is or the died, lived, died, you know, and then that grief that takes over. And, and then you're back to using and drinking again. Absolutely. Um, so it's important to want it, not need it, because when you me, want it, yeah, the, exactly. The word I want to say is I craved it. Oh, okay, I, I was yeah. like, uh, you know, I, I I wanted to be one of the, those people, you know, um, you know, I, I was like, I saw all the people around me that were sober, and I was like. I need that. I want, I mean, I want that and I need that in my life. I just didn't know how. Yeah. I just didn't know how. how. And um, you knew the why, and but you didn't know the how. I didn't and know I feel, how. I feel like you know the how and you have a better understanding of the how now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it, it's taken me years. Um, you know, walking that path it's not it's not an easy road it is not an easy road and have i had relapses you better believe it um have i uh, um it's not an easy road (laughs) you know but but when you find finally get that sobriety and, and 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 learn about addiction really learn about addiction uh, and, and what causes all these things, you know, um, all the words that they use and uh, um, any any kind of, uh, uh, whether it's AA, NA, uh, um, celebrate recovery, recovery whatever, whatever you, you, you choose to use for sobriety, when they when they're teaching you these things, you know, at first you're like, oh well, yeah, huh, you know, but but it sinks in. Yeah. It finally sinks. It finally sinks in, and you're like, hey, I did that. Hey, I felt that way. You know, hey, uh, I understand about this and this and this. Well, you know the what difference. You know, the the difference is some people are in the rooms of AA or NA because they have to get a court slip signed. Oh, uh, yeah. So they're yeah. not they're not there to learn anything. They're there to get something signed. When you're there and you're looking for a message, that means when I I used to talk a lot of meetings, like I, w- I would be the speaker at meetings and doing like the hour long telling my story. And I feel like um Uh, what was my point to this is that the more you tell your story the more okay with it you're going to get right 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 um you know uh for me see like now i have a mentor you know i I have some somebody that i can reach reach out to without judgment kind of like a sponsor yes i have what's called a mentor and you know she could i I can talk to her about anything at first we were strangers you know and um but she's been in my life for a year now but now she's family yep i can i can 
I can reach out to her and say, hey, um, uh, this happened in my life and I'm feeling this this way and, and I'm fixing to go use, you know, um, I feel safe with her. And, yeah, it's, and there's it's a important bit. to surround. We always say that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. So if you're spending time with a bunch of people that are using or drinking, even if you're not, yeah. you're going to be enabled to go out and drink and use with this. Now, it's true. The, it's, it's true. What you're saying uh, is true. But if you surround yourself by a bunch of sober people, guess what the last thing you want to do is get higher drunk because of everybody's being so positive. And the entire time you're like, oh, I can do that too. I can be part of this circle. And it's so important to find a network of people in the community that you can be friends with and not judge you for your past and instead help you use your past as a tool to not go back out and drink and use again. Absolutely. Um, uh, th that That is very, what is it what is that saying? Birds of a feather flock together. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's true. Uh, when I started hanging around uh, pe people that were using drugs, um, that that's when my drug addiction got so bad. And you have and you have to remember, remember, addiction in my family was a generational curse. I believe. Yeah. Um, my mom was an alcoholic. My uh, my grand my grandfather was a raging alcoholic for years. And and I and it went on on the other side too of my family. Yeah. And so um, that 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 was a big part of it, you know, of uh, 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 the trauma and addiction and all that just fell in together and it just made, made a big old soup bowl. Yeah. Uh, uh, um. You, you know. Of. Uh, just some horrible things. <laughs> so. Well, either way, I appreciate you spending the time to sit down and talk about, you know, maybe you couldn't cover anything for legal reasons or whatever, but I appreciate you divulging what you did divulge. Thank you. Because I think if one person listening or one person's watching that can be affected by this in a positive way, that's all that really matters. Absolutely. So, uh, see, I didn't have a license for years. Yeah. A license for years. Uh, but in the last three years, I've gotten my license back. Um, got you know, I got sober. I got I got my license back. I will not, you know, I will not lose my license again. Yep. Because in South Carolina, they don't play. Nope. <laughs> they do nope. not play when it when it comes to the legalities of, you know. So, anyways, thank you for. Oh, of course. Hearing my story. It's always my pleasure.